actually get started. And then it's like, oops, we now I have to say all that stuff all over again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're like, what was that really great thing we said before? Yeah. Hey, welcome to Marginally, a podcast about writing, work, and friendship. I'm Olivia, a corporate fraud investigator living in London with my husband and two cats. I'm currently working on a novel and daydreaming about lots of other projects. And I'm Megan, a librarian and freelance indexer writing about complex women's friendships for both young adult and adult audiences. Hey, guess what? We're back, at least for now. We actually recorded today's episode at the end of January. It's been a heck of a year so far, and it feels in some ways like we recorded this a week ago and in other ways a lifetime ago. We were really busy, and more than that, we had some big things going on in our lives. But what's happened since we recorded this only really shows us, and hopefully you, that what we're calling sneaky perfectionism, the topic of this episode, um, which is really, we defined it at the beginning, but the ways we make up stories about what needs to happen in order for us to do good work, that matters even more in some ways now that we look back on the year. And at the end, we talk about goals because that's what our society does in January. But you can think and talk about your goals anytime, so we're leaving it in. In fact, pretty much everything we said about our projects remains true now, so I think I'm going to go make some small achievable goals today. Oh, one other thing you need to know is that we started talking during our pre-meet, and Megan fortunately recorded it, and then we basically just turned that into the episode. So you're sort of dropped into the middle of our stream of consciousness, but we hope you don't mind. We hope you enjoy this episode and please reach out with any thoughts that you have on this topic or anything else that you want to say. We always love hearing from you and we're hoping to be recording some more episodes soon. Thanks for listening. I mean, okay. The original idea, I think it came about that, I mean, it's sort of obvious in a way, but it doesn't always feel obvious. Like I would say that I'm not, I used to probably say I'm not perfectionist, um, but then I just realized, and we've been talking about, what are you laughing at? I was <laughs> laughing at like 19 Olivia, not being 19 year old Olivia, not being a perfectionist. It's like, yeah. you're both such perfectionists. So it's just really um, funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, like the thing is, the reason I think I'm not a perfectionist is that I'm really acceptable with like, I know that things are wrong in that book. Like I'm not the typical idea when you think of a perfectionist is that that person is not able to ever let things go and, you know, everything has to be absolutely perfect. Um, and so you end up just like writing the same book for a really, really long time. And my, my therapist was sort of like, why are you not done with your book yet? And I'm like, look lady, like, it's just actually <laughs> not good, but, um, yeah. So, but like, there's this idea. So I don't think it's like, and I have worked with people who are like that and it is very difficult because they like really, um, sometimes harm themselves, like staying up really late. Right. But like a lot of my perfectionism is, um, not starting things until I know exactly how it's going to go. Like yeah. I need to know the result. Like we've been talking about this <laughs> swimming, but I think there are a few other places that it pops up. Like the obvious one is just like, you never do anything until you know that you're going to be really good at it, which doesn't work for writing, obviously. Yeah. Cause you don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst because like you have to write it to figure it out. And if you yeah. don't ever start. Yeah. And I had all this, like, I had it today. Cause I was like trying to write the beginning of this stupid book and I'm like, 
writing all these things I thought sounded really cool in my head or I'll get, you know, this image. I'm like, yeah, that's a cool image. And then you write it and you're like, this is awful. And I'm like, really? (laughs) So bad. But the point is that you have to write all the bad things, right? And then try to figure out what any of it means. Um, So you just have to like start. So I have some major startup problems. That's the easiest example. Researching and researching and researching until you like know everything that happened before you start to write is also a problem, which that's one that I'm running into with the, or had run into with the draft that I'm working on right now. At some point you, it really helps to have an outside person step in and say, no, you are not allowed to do any more. You have to do something with what you have. And it's like, I think because, especially if you're somebody who, I mean, from the outside, like writing a book is a very step-by-step process, right? Everybody's like, you just take like one little step and then you do it. And, and it's like, you write a first draft and then you write a second. And like, that's what we learn in school, right? You write an outline and then you write a first draft and then you write a second draft and then you revise it and then you, you know, edit it and then you're done. And it's like, obviously it's not like that. Um, and you can, <laughs> you can like research as we, we've like, I think this is like started by the way, this is no longer. Yeah, I know. Ordinary. I'm like, how are we going to recreate this? It's really good. We're not going to, that's why I hit record. Uh, so, okay, fine. <laughs> One of us will figure out how this podcast starts. <laughs> yeah. Don't be perfectionist about it. We just jump in. Yeah, um, I know. No. So, you know, and then it's just like feeling like you can't move on to the next step until you finished the previous step. And I think that's definitely like a place that sneaky perfectionism shows up for me is this thought that like, I can't skip ahead. I have to do it in order um, or else I don't know what. So yeah. Yeah. And, and like, it works better sometimes if you do skip ahead. I mean, like, one of the tricks when I was draft when I was writing the book that I'm about to start querying again that made it work so well is I mean like first of all it's so different from writing a book that actually needs research um yeah based on like like historical fiction is a whole different world and uh I may never want to do it again um but like when you're just making things up I mean you really can just skip ahead um and one of the things that I discovered was that if I found myself skipping ahead to write a different scene chances are I didn't need all of the stuff that I didn't want to write in between. Right. You know, like if it's boring to write, it's going to be boring to read. Um, and so, you know, but like feeling like you can't skip ahead to that is maybe like you have to do it in order. You have to do it the right way. Yeah. I think that order thing is really, um, I did. I was so jealous when you were writing your, that book and you were just like, I'm going to write the scenes I want to write. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah but I couldn't um, make myself do that this time with this book because it's like oh well history happened in a certain order and so I have to like go through it and then it turns out I didn't know anything about the one character that I am working on and uh Carrie um Carrie Fry we'll put her in the show notes but she is just she was just like she's a freelance what is Carrie she's like like a, an editor a, and an writer editor yeah. and like writer yeah. and amazing she's like super witch yeah of the universe the writing world <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but it took like having her from the outside say you're not allowed to spend time with the person you know better you have to spend time with the person you don't know and until you know her and um that like really helped 
but it was really yeah. hard and I whined a lot about it. Um, she did that with me on my second character as well, Boris. She's like, or well, both of them actually, but it didn't really, I felt like I couldn't get into him as much at the beginning or when I started working with her. And she also was like, you're going to spend a lot of time just thinking about him. And it's good to have somebody tell you that because otherwise you can easily retrace. And I got stuck in a loop with one of my characters, like, would this really happen? Kind of perfect, real world perfectionism. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. is it, you're obviously writing fiction, but then it's like really exacting measurement of, you know, things that whether they're real or not, and could they happen and all this other stuff, it's really annoying um, to get trapped in. Um, And that's really, I think can be, can spur on some perfectionism for sure. Well, and I think all of us have these like critics who are experts, you know, we like imagine that the only people who would be reading it are going to be people who are experts in whatever field. I mean, whether you're writing like a young adult book about a girl who surfs and you've never surfed. And so you're like, Oh God, I have to watch like a million instructional videos and like everything because no one there's the like authenticity police basically. And you're like afraid of the authenticity police, or you're writing something about real things like corruption or real historical figures that have like whole societies around them. Um, and you just have to figure out some sort of trick to just be like, like I found this summer, I, it like really, um, I was because of Carrie, I was going through these exercises about like, who is my like critic who's my ideal reader and it was just like you know what I'm actually like there are not as many people who know about all of this as it feels <laughs> like when you know yeah. about it or yeah. you're doing the research you're like oh everybody's an expert on you know everybody's like the leading expert on Julius and Ethel Rosenberg and like you know so if I write anything about the Rosenbergs then that's not what I'm writing about but yeah um, just you know I joke there yeah um, <laughs> um you know but you know, if I'm writing about them, then everybody else knows just as much as I do. And like, really it's the opposite. The people who are reading are the people who don't know anything about it. So it was like, I just had to learn to turn to the like pitchfork wielding Rosenberg crowd and say like, this book is not for you. You're welcome to read it, but I am not writing it for you. And that helps a lot. But I think, I don't know if anybody's having the research problem, I think maybe challenge you to not two weeks, two weeks. You're not allowed to research. You just have to write scenes based on like whatever it is that's in your big pile of notes and see what happens. You'd be surprised as well. I research a lot and then I like never look at my notes again because it's really, you're just trying to get something, you know, you line it up in your head and then that's it. I don't know. Different for me because I'm not writing about any real people, but um, I, I think that's a good Thing. I wish I had, this is something I haven't done, um, but I wish I had like written down, I still have time to do this. Um, the worst thing that somebody could say about it and then just figure out, because it's again, similar to like the good things. I think I, I'm like, oh, that's a great phrase. And then it's bad. Like probably if I wrote down, like, what is the actual criticism that I think I'm going to get here and then look at it? Like, is it true? In which case, like maybe I should fix something, right? Or whatever. If it's not true, I don't care. Um, if it is true and I don't care, that's also fine too. But basically burn it after that. Like it's already been written and it already exists in the world. And like, 
I faced that. And of course it's different if you read it in the newspaper or something or whatever, but at least you're like ready. I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Like, I think that's like, we talked to um, Jenny Nash, what, like last summer or two summers ago. I don't know the world. Some time in the cyclical loop of the past. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's something that she has, like, she has a similar kind of thing. That's like, write your, write a critic, write like your worst review of the book as it is. And um, I think she uses it to find like problems or holes in your book that you're avoiding, but mm. I think it's just like a slightly different use from what you're, you're saying. I probably stole it from her. So I'm glad that you, well, I mean, I no, definitely it's... didn't remember that, but yeah, <laughs> I was like, I'm sure someone's had this idea before. Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes sense. I think like, there's also like all the things. So I recently got some feedback back. I mean, this is not, this is why I'm like, I'm not a perfectionist because these types of things would happen, but I don't think these are mutually exclusive. Um, somebody came back and they were like, yeah, your first chapter starts in the wrong place. And I kind of knew, but wasn't able to make that change without someone external saying that. Um, and you probably have other things like that. And you've probably heard thousands of people say things like this. So, uh, us saying it is not going to help you, but um, if you wanted to generate, like, what do you think is wrong? Who are you maybe like? either try to get somebody external to say it or like write it down, like try to think about what are the things that you really secretly know are wrong. Cause they're probably not that bad. I think for me, I always think they're so big, but actually even changing my first chapter doesn't take more than an hour or so. Yeah. Yeah. And all those things that you just refuse to admit and you're just like, maybe nobody will notice. (laughs) (laughs) And we all know, I mean, at work, I also say like, never think no one will notice. We all notice their crappy report writing or whatever, but like, you know, I don't think there's any way around doing that. Maybe you just get really good at being more ruthless with yourself. I don't know, but I hope, I hope that for myself in the future. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. There's also a spectrum though of like, when does it matter if somebody notices and you're going to fix it or not? Because, you know, I think that's where you get into traditional perfectionism is like feeling like you have to fix all of those things. Um, yeah. So what does I think mean? avoidance can also be, I think like I probably this is another sign for me of my tricky perfectionism is I will just avoid when I know that things are wrong, like just not open the file, for example, you know, (laughs) and I'm just like, that's not happening or not right back to emails or whatever. Like avoidance can also be you. And it's easy. The worst thing is like, it's easy to punish yourself then as well for avoiding or not being like for being lazy or, you know, whatever your negative self-talk sounds like. Um, But then really it's about being perfectionist. Like it's not going to be perfect when you open it. And so you don't want to face it. And that can also be, yeah, difficult. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so I was thinking about like, am I a perfectionist or not? And like my family, like, like my parents, like the environment I grew up in was very much like, you know, if you like, if you're going to do it, take the time to do it right. And the hardest way is always the best way. (laughs) Like that's a weird kind of perfectionism, this idea. And I don't know if it's like, like an American thing or just in general, but it's like the idea, like 
like you learn this in math class, right? It's like, no, we're going to teach you how to do like the most complicated, longest, most number of steps possible way of doing something to make sure you understand the concept. And then we'll teach you the shortcuts. And like, I'm not a math person, you know, so like, I don't know if that's, I mean, that probably, there probably is value to that. Like there are probably are concepts you are not going to understand if you just learn the shortcut way of doing something. Um, but this idea that like, like this is a really dumb example, but or it's like not a writing related example, but like when I like in my like family camping was only real camping. If you backpacked and with nothing, but like, you know, some freeze dried food and a stove and I mean, yes, you could have a tent and a sleeping bag. Like we weren't quite like you have to like sleep on the ground, you know, under in your clothes, in your like <laughs> under, under a, a blanket of leaves, blanket of leaves <laughs> and like build your own shelter. But like, if you were to do that, that would be really cool. You'd be like, camping plus. Exactly. Yeah. But like yeah. camping was only like pretty like bare bones and rigorous and like, and I do it like I enjoy, I do enjoy that kind of like I enjoy backpacking. Like I, I like doing that kind of thing and it is really fun to get down, but like, I didn't even know this about you. So this oh, is like see? new frontiers <laughs> in our friendship. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, like who has the time to do that? And so I well, and with small because... kids, they can't carry their own tent. Right. Oh, they can't yeah. now. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, you know, and then, so like a, a camper, I mean, I have, I have my own like thoughts on campers. So I don't, that have nothing to to do. Well, they probably are rooted in all this, but anyway, like, um, like a camper, absolutely not. That does not count. You're like sitting in a parking lot, first of all. So that's not camping, but, um, even like, you know, going to a place that has like a marked tent campsite and like being able to drive your car there, that's sort of like on the line. Is this really <laughs> camping or is this not? And I was just like, why do things have to be hard? Most in order people to be... think of camping as like what your ladder, like the easier side of that. But yeah. 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 Like in cooking, like it's not cooking. Yeah. If you buy like a meal kit and it all comes to your house or you yeah. pick up like pre-chopped ingredients at the grocery store and then assemble it, that's assembly. That's not cooking. Yeah. Like cooking has to it's be not real scratch. writing till you cry tears of blood. <laughs> right. And like, I grew up in that kind of an environment and it's really hard to break out of it on the one hand, like with those two specific examples, I've like done a lot of work of like, you know what, if there's food at the end of it, it counts as cooking, you know, like that's fine. Like, do I know how to do all the other hard stuff? Absolutely. Do I want to do all of that? I do not. Um, but also like things like you don't put serving, like you don't put, like you don't serve from the stove. You have to use like serving dishes and they have to be like real serving dishes, not just like put the pot of sauce on the table, (laughs) you know? And like, (laughs) presentation matters like napkins are ironed and like food like looks nice you don't just like plop it or say like okay everybody come eat you know like um there's a lot of like appearances that get rolled into like perfectionism about appearances like you don't leave the house without your hair combed uh you you know like everything has to be a certain way but it's a very externally driven form of perfectionism and I think that that is like it's like 
it can be either like traditional perfectionism or it can be um, like sneaky. But what has happened that I think what's sneaky for me is that basically my whole life I've like pushed back on this externally driven perfectionism to the point where I'm very, I can be like very intentionally like sloppy and like anti-perfectionist because it drives me so crazy to be told to like care about things that I don't want to, like, I don't want to care about like, you know, what, I mean, I obviously I'm like a 40 year old woman. So I grew up in like the United States in the nineties and like, you know, like I was a teenager in the nineties. And so all the stuff you read about diet culture is very real. Um, I do care what about what I look like, but like, I don't want to. And so there's just a whole lot. And I think it comes out in writing when people say, I'm writing a romance, but it's, I don't care about like the genre conventions. And there's been like this whole long discussion that I'm not going to get into about like, when are, how rigid do you, do you have to be? I mean, obviously like romance has certain rules, like happily ever after or happily for now, but also there are a lot of other things that like don't have to be so rigid, but other people say they do. And I think you kind of run into that same thing and it's still externally driven, right? It's like, these are the rules and I'm going to use save the cat and I'm going to have to match at, you know, 10%, this has to happen in my book. And like at this many words, I have to do this. And like, um, Mm. I don't know really where that falls on the form on the like spectrum of sneaky to traditional, but maybe it's just a different lens. It's like, well, I think it's external. whether you know that it like is sneaky, you know, that it's sort of like, I definitely, is, I'm thinking about, so if I like plotted everything and I was super methodical about that, then I might think that that would be like overt perfectionism, right? Like I really adhere to like by, you know, word by word, like need it to be at 300 words, this happens or whatever. Mm-hmm. That would be one thing. But um, in terms of what you're talking about, um, I think like when I was sending out some early pages to a writing um, class, I was in, you know, I was like, this is not a, I feel it's important to know that this is not a thriller. And then some people were like, well, what is it then? Like, why did you need to tell people? (laughs) I did. I mean, that went through a lot of phases with how I described and, you know, we all have our hangups about things, but like being that for me would make that sneaky because I'm like really you know, conscious of a set of rules and still doing some part of my writing in some dialogue with those rules, even though I'm not following them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think feeling constrained by that. Yeah. 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 Like anti-perfectionism can become perfectionism because of the constraint. Yeah. Yeah. And it's where you don't know that you're using, using that. Yeah. I definitely engage with perfectionism in a I mean, we all come at it based on how like we were raised. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I was, um, I think, well, I mean, the only real way to do anything about it, I think, in my opinion, um, is like, obviously to recognize where you're doing it and then just trying to come up with your own, like being conscious of it basically. And then trying to think of like, what is it that you think you're failing or, not going to be able to do for any of them. Right. Like if you are stuck in your research loop or like, I won't start, I'll just like think about stuff for forever and never do anything about it because it's not going to be perfect. And I'm kind of scared of that or any of that, but then, you know, just notice where that is, you're being driven by that kind of rigidity probably, Yeah. you know, and then 
come up with some other metric. Like if, if like, so if I, I'm talking to myself now, thinking about not just the new project I've worked on because that is coming along, but really slowly, but other things that I like daydream about and never start because they're so big, they're terrifying. Um, then maybe just having some like really small word counts um, because it's like a different metric than this finished perfect thing. Or I don't know what, like, I don't I have no idea a dictionary of terms that I would like to explore or, you know, just like totally different uh, ways that you can address that that are kind of outside of whatever frame it is that's making you not able to function. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it does. I think one of the ways that it, it shows up as this idea of like, that doesn't count as writing because it wasn't actual words in my draft. Um, Yeah it was journaling about a character in my notebook or taking a walk and thinking or reading a book that, you know, is interesting to me and makes me think, even if it's not related, like all of those things that we say to each other count as writing, but then to ourselves, it's like, Oh no, no, that counts as writing for you. But for me, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. is not writing because I have to be perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is one of the things um, I think too, it's really hard when, you're trying to like we are like get through like a stage um and into a new stage like like we have written two novels each and you know we like know how to do that and now you know we're looking for representation and like looking to get into that next step of you know getting into an industry that is has um is like notorious right for not making any sense. And so like, yeah, trying to find rules. Like one of the things about perfectionism is that you like have to live according to a set of like hard and fast rules. And so you try to like divine rules from like the entrails of Twitter and, you know, that never works for anybody, but like trying to find a, trying to find rules to follow because they're the magic formula or whatever. And I think that that can lead people down the like the like paths of formula and you know I mean because everything gets distilled to formulas because it's easy to explain and yet like that you know you pick up published books and you're like well this doesn't follow that formula (laughs) and that one doesn't follow that formula and like you know this book has an effing prologue yeah exactly how many books have prologues (laughs) right this book says the character waking up um yeah I mean like I don't like reading those. So I would say, don't do that, but like, whatever, do what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So it's just, I think that like opens the door and then you have like a whole bunch of like, who the hell is that person? Like us telling you <laughs> what to yeah. do when they don't know anything, you know? So, I mean, obviously take what we're saying here. Um, yeah. Ignore everything. Well. We obviously don't know anything, but <laughs> we're talking but, about feelings. We know about feelings. Yeah, so, we do. Yeah. But I think like that maybe like that too is like a place where um, you know, I think like as a child, like being a perfectionist is a way to like feel secure or in control of your own surroundings when things around you are out of control, and also to get either um positive attention or escape attention, um, whichever is safer. It's just a way to be safe, right? And yeah. so I think when you're coming at it from like, welcome to the therapy hour again. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, obviously like if you're 
like us and you're just kind of like out there untethered trying to like put down an anchor somewhere um how many metaphors can i use <laughs> in this um you know you are looking for ways to like be safe or yeah, feel to like do things the right way yeah right but like yeah. maybe the excitement in art comes from not being safe you know yeah yeah know. or also just like really safe, getting like, don't like do bad things you know but like yeah, not, not physically feeling. I'm yeah <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think, well, anyway, like trying to make everything that you do comply to some rules, it's not a good way to make art. I think that's pretty clear. Um, unless it's an experiment and whatever, anyway, do what you want. But, um, like, but I think like wanting everything to be right or correct. I'm just thinking about early, um, stories or, you know, things that can have, like, they can have the form of something that is correct. Um, but they don't have any kind of substance because you're trying to, and that's fine. Like, that's also part of the experimentation phase. So I think I'm not judging anybody's like wherever you're at in that stage, but I think that's right. Like you don't know, like for me, I, th I think it's that I don't know, like, can I even trust my instinct? Like, obviously I think I know how to pick a good book to read. Uh, Cause I read a lot of good books and I like them. Um, but I don't, you know, it's like, is this right? Like, you know, it, like if you really do things, it's a lot easier. I think sometimes sneaky perfectionism can also just be like flopping over and giving other people responsibility for what you actually need to take responsibility for yourself. Like, thinking like, oh, the critics think this is supposed to be like this or these random made up people in your head um, think it's supposed to be this way or that way. And actually like you don't like it and probably they, they don't like it either. They're not real. So, um, but like, yeah, I think actually looking at it and thinking about what it needs um, is a harder thing to do, right? And so it's easier to look for the right way to do it in a way like, yeah. 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 Well, and I think easier, it's definitely a longer route to good art, <laughs> to good yeah. writing, but yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that I want to start doing is just kind of interrogating, like, is this rule or this thing that I'm doing, like, is it internal or external? Like yeah. how, and, and a lot of things that you think are internal are really they're actually sneakily external. And I think yeah. that's where, you know, it's like, like iconoclasm is such an external thing. Like it's to the point where, I mean, like the old joke about conforming to non-conformity, right? Like, but it's something that always feels like, oh no, this is just me like reacting to, but like the minute it's you reacting, then it's external, right? Is this like, constraint because the story needs it or is it because you know I don't want to do what everybody else is doing which is I mean like not wanting to do what everybody else is doing is legitimate sometimes you know but yeah it's like why do you not I think the the whole like ask yourself why like a million times um yeah, yeah. exercise is useful like well why don't I want to do what everyone else is doing um well, and also what is your perception? Like, why do you have a perception that quote unquote, everybody else is, I think the other mm. thing that can happen is sometimes you read narrowly for research. Sometimes you're just reading in a particular writing community and 
Uh, one of the best things to do is either to read things from like totally other cultures, but I don't mean that in an appropriative or whatever, like literary tourism way. I mean, or like read some old freaking books. Like some books are so weird. Uh, if you go back even into classics and you're like, you know, they're not structured the way that everything is structured. And, you know, there is a little bit more for you to read Moby Dick. That's a wild ride, um, you know, or whatever. Like you don't need to read any particular thing, but there are really different types of ways of telling stories. So if you're only my pet peeve, if you're reading like publisher interns writing in New York City, it's like my shorthand for the U.S. kind of publishing culture. Um, but if you're reading all those novels by them, of course, there's going to be a lot of similarities in terms of form and structure and things like that. But you can read more widely and get really different thing. Um, and then maybe you don't need to rebel against their rules because they're just totally irrelevant to you. Yeah. Like you can read the best of lists, but you don't feel like compelled to either read them or not read them. Yeah. Like you're no longer reacting to them. They just maybe just release yourself from all your homework. Like yeah. anything that, you know, like all the, I like, I grew up, I don't know if you had this. I'm curious. I grew up in Texas and uh, we didn't really have culture. And <laughs> I've always felt like until probably the last year, I always felt like I had to catch up. Like, I mean, I spent a lot of time in Europe and Europeans have like a really different approach to curriculum and reading that's based on the canon, which has its own problems. We'll discuss some other time. And I'm sure we've discussed already on this podcast. Um, but at least like they've all read, you know, the French existentialists or not, they all like I'm talking specifically about probably my partner and like some other learned people around me. But, um, I had this impression that I was always catching up because I came from this kind of place where none of that stuff was even like, I just didn't know it existed. Um, but you're not catching up. Like, I mean, anyway, you have it's basically pointless. Maybe you are catching up, but it's pointless to think of it like that and to think of yourself as being behind. Um, and then you're constantly doing homework because you're not good enough and not, you're expecting other people to teach you something or whatever. I don't know. Like now I'm trying to be really closed off to things that give me that immediate impression. Like I'm missing out on something basically. Um, but yeah. So, yeah. Slightly yeah, that, no, that, no, but kind of, I mean, other than like, it is the beginning of the year it, or, you know, calendar year or whatever, like what is time, but, um, it is when people are like making their goals and like, maybe that's a good place to wrap up here. Um, mm. with this conversation is like, how can you apply this to, you know, I mean, you think like, don't, don't let perfectionism get in the way of your writing goals in terms of things like, set goals that you can control rather than goals that are out of your control. Like you can, you, I mean, people say you can control whether you finish your draft this year. Like I'm going to say that maybe you can't, but you can control whether you use the time that you are given, like use the time that comes up. You can control whether or not you use how you use that time. Right. Like I can't even say you can control whether or not you write 30 minutes, three days a week, because stuff happens sometimes. Yeah. And you know, but you can say like, if I have a pocket of 30 minutes, then I will use it yeah. at least 50% of the time for writing. I mean, like sometimes you have to use it to sleep or read or whatever, but yeah, like that's all like standard non-perfectionist goal setting advice. But like, what are some ways that you see like sneaky perfectionism coming in with goals and like ways that you can maybe rethink it other than my approach sometimes, which is not setting any goals at all. 
<laughs> which again is uh, yeah. the anti-perfectionist perfectionism, right? Yeah, we, yeah. Um, I think it's, it's a good question. I go long periods without any particular goals, but I think it's also equally as powerful, like the couple of times last year that I finished drafts of the novel, I meant to only write three drafts, but turned out to need four. Um, both times, like, you know, I just sprinted and I did everything around the margins of my life to be in line with our, our branding. Um, but I like wrote before and after work and on the weekends, like pretty consistently for like six weeks plus at a time. And then another time we took probably both times, I actually took a week or two off work and just wrote really a lot. But to answer your question, like don't, I think one of the things about, um, about sneaky perfectionism is that, or like, and, and about goal setting is that like, I think you should avoid making like, you don't have to make your goals now. You don't have to know what they are. You can just be like, I'm going to show up for this project. But then sometimes you think like, actually I'm getting really close to the end um, and trying to develop a bit more intuitive sense. Like I'm not perfect at this definitely, um, but uh, developing an intuitive sense, like, yeah, I have it in me. I think I could finish by whatever. And anytime I've ever tried to make that goal, like I'm going to finish this novel by the end of whatever month but it's not based on how I'm feeling and what I really know about the project. I always miss those goals every single time. Um, but the times where I've made that, where I kind of knew where I was and I knew what it was going to take to get there, um, like really physically knew um, somewhere in your body, <laughs> like, you know, that you have the energy and you've created the conditions and you're going to be able to actually do it and setting a goal that you can actually meet feels amazing. Um, and it makes up for like, not setting goals a lot of the other time. Um, and then making micro goals, like really sitting down and looking at your like calendar every day or or week or whatever. And just thinking like, actually, I'm really bad at doing this. I'm not going to get any writing done this week because it's really busy. Um, and just deciding that and letting that be true as well. Um, and I think I haven't been writing at all. I didn't write at all for the entire December moon cycle. Um, as like, forced exercise basically because I was so tired after doing all the sprinting that I've already talked about. Um, and I think also doing that and sometimes having a goal to like do nothing can be as hard to stick to as anything else. One of the ways that you've developed this kind of intuitive sense of what you're capable of is by not setting goals for a long time. And then looking back and seeing like what you did as you felt like it. And as you had the time and kind of getting a better understanding of, you know, what your capacity is in the first place without any sort of outside pressure or push to meet a certain metric and then kind of developing going forward from that. And so, you know, maybe if that's something that somebody hasn't done before, and it's always been like, this is the year that I'm going to do X, Y, Z, you know, maybe this is the year that you don't say that. And you yeah. just kind of like spend a, I mean, a year, is not a lot of time, no. but it's also a lot of time. And so maybe you spend a year just doing whatever you can do and then kind of say like, okay, well, this is what I can do. And this is what I can't do. And this is what happens. And I mean, obviously like every year is different, but then also every year is the same, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like every year, something big, terrible happens that disrupts everything. Right. Like For whether it's just, yeah. Right. Whether it disrupts it, like 
all over the world or it disrupts just in your household or, you know, whatever, like there is a crisis and, you know, but there's also usually like lulls or yeah. Right. And, you know, so you can kind of like, there are no, there are no, like there's this, I haven't read her in a really long time. Cause I'm like beyond that type of thinking now, but there's this time management person, um, Laura Vanderkam, who's like really perfectionist. Anyway, she's a lot, uh, she's just a lot, but she does have some good things in there. Um, especially if you're like just getting started figuring out how to like deal with a life that's chaos. Um, but one of her things is that like, there is no typical week every week is just itself. And like every week, every day is a typical day. Like don't wait until like a perfect day or a typical day. So maybe you just kind of see what you can do in a year or a week or a month or whatever. Um, I think having really small goals can also make you feel mm, good. And we say this probably every year, this time of year, but if you could (laughs) decide that you're going to set a timer and sit down in your computer or journal for 15 minutes, like that sounds like nothing would ever happen, but A, maybe you'll end up spending a bit more time or B, like, I don't know. I currently have a goal to write a hundred average, a hundred words a day in my new project, which is a very small word count goal. Like any, any normal writer, can you hear this? Uh, it would have like a thousand words a day that they're supposed to write or something like that. But yeah, um, I send you like texts that are hundred words. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like- <laughs> I text at least 500 words a day. Definitely. Um, and the volume of Instagram content is several more hundred words, definitely that I imbibe, but like, yeah, a hundred words a day average is still 3000 words a month. Like, and actually I could probably write that on just a couple of weekends if I just sat down for several hours, but I still show up as much as I can to, because I like the routine. Honestly, it makes, it takes a lot of choice out of what you're doing, which is an important element of, um, doing stuff. (laughs) basically (laughs) like I don't you know I just like a robot come up to this room and sit and do my stuff and then whatever go do the other things I have to do um yeah so 10 minutes five minutes if you can keep doing it is actually more important than anything else I don't know but we that's like a drum that we'll never stop beating I don't think (laughs) (laughs) well and it does work like I mean the like turn yourself into a robot without the choice like does make a huge difference like you just know like every morning I get up, I get dressed. Well, every weekday morning I get up, I get dressed, I brush my teeth, I make coffee, and then I go upstairs um, where my office is. I wake up my kids because their bedroom is next door. And then I go in and I sit down at my desk and I write my like, well, right now it's just one page because this notebook sneakily has a lot of lines on a page and it takes, you know, but it's whatever it is that feels like 20 to 20, you know, anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes, depending on how fast I'm thinking. Um, you know, I just sit down, I do it, I like pull a tarot card or two, and then it's time to go like, make sure everybody's ready to get in the car and go. So, and it does make a difference when you're just like, this is just what I do in the morning, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I work on my novel. Um, and you just do it. Like my goals are not quantifiable necessarily. Like it's not word count things, which is just because that just works better for me. Um, but it's just that I want to like my like long-term project is this draft that I'm trying to get out. And if it takes me 10 years, it's going to take me 10 years. I mean, it is just, 
it's a beast. So, um, but it's just to keep like working on it one little scene at a time, um, two or three days a week, and then picking one. When I say short, I don't mean necessarily short, like in length, but like one shorter term project to work on, whether it's an essay or a short story or like a smaller book than this one, like an easier book than this undertaking. Like I had an idea for a middle grade book. So maybe I'll like pick that in each month, just pick something off of my like floating list that, um, we're not supposed to have, but you know, the like, <laughs> and I mean, no, it's fine to have a list. Right. But yeah. yeah. And like, just have it as sort of like a, like a cheat project or like a rest day project kind of thing. Um, a fun thing where there's no pressure attached to it, but also because it's a shorter term goal, it feels more, I don't know. There's more like satisfaction because it does, they do have like an end in sight, you know, like writing an outline or, you know, a handful of like character sketch scenes for this middle grade book is something that has like a high, it has a really low expectation threshold and a really high satisfaction threshold. And like writing an epic historical novel about Julius and Ethel Rosenberg is like not, it's a very high expectation threshold and it can have a high satisfaction one, but it's so far into the future that I can't see it. And so there is no, it's just like one like step at a time up the mountain. And so, um, picking something that does have like low expectations and high satisfaction is like really important. And so that's kind of my plan. I'm not going to call it a goal, but my plan for the year is to, and, and like giving it just a month and like, once the month is over, like it's gone and I don't worry about it and I move on to something different. And if it's not finished, it's not finished. And that's okay too. Like yeah, being able to let go of projects without feeling like it's permanent or without feeling like it matters or without like feeling bad about myself. That's another perfect sneaky perfectionism thing is, can you like say this isn't working and move on to something different or say Mm -hmm. this is working, but I need to move on anyway or whatever. Um, just kind of giving myself that. Yeah. That's my plan. No, my goal is only that word count goal lasts as long as it needs to last, but, right. but also, and I'm not usually, I don't usually do word count goals. The only reason I've chosen it here is such a weird book and has a lot of weird little pieces. And so I have to like, it's an, I can't hold on to it in my head. I have to just keep showing up to it. Um, and therefore like I need little goals so that I can just be like, yep, that's my hundred words. Um, cause otherwise I just won't do it. I don't know. Um, cause I'll be yeah. like, well, but which, character should I work on or you know just whatever nonsense and so I just have to like open it and 100 words is acceptable um the bar is very low so that's good yeah (laughs) plus I'm still researching bits and pieces at random and like that's also fine like it's quite fun to research actually so yeah yeah and I think you know it just depends on like what situation you're in like like you said like there are times when you know like we've talked about it before. Um, like the big finishing energy feeling of like, I am so Such close. A good I can, feeling. I yeah. can see the end and then you do just drop everything. Um, yeah. but it, you know, like you're in it, everything is in like different stages at different times. So I feel like I finally, yeah. this last fall, like pushed into 
the maintenance phase of my um, drafting where everything is like, I don't feel like I'm like all the way in yet, but I have enough that it doesn't fall apart if I stop for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So I think I'm at that phase too. I guess I've stopped for a while. So um, it doesn't feel like it's fallen apart, this new project, but it's just so weird. Um, but yeah. that's fine. It's I mean, TBD, I haven't opened mine up this, you know, <laughs> since January, December 17th. So, yeah, you know, who knows, like actually before that, because I was working on those revisions. Um, yeah. Yeah. We've both novel, like gone so. back to our second novels. Yeah. Um, so oh, who goodness. knows? Yeah. December 6th, probably. Anyway, it doesn't really matter the date. It's been a while and yeah. I haven't opened it. So maybe it has fallen apart and I don't know. We'll find it out. It hasn't fallen so apart. It's great. You can get back <laughs> to it. Um, cool. Get to work, Megan. You get to work, Olivia. And that's it for this week. You can find us online at marginallypodcast.com and on Instagram at marginallypodcast. Our email is podcast at marginallypodcast.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our newsletter. The sign-up form is on our website. And if you enjoy the show, please consider rating it and leaving a review in your podcast app and or sharing an episode with a friend. This will help us to grow our community. Thanks for listening and happy writing. Marginally is produced by the two of us, Megan and Olivia. So excuse any amateur issues. We're working on it. Theme music is It's Time by Scotty Casca. Show notes for every episode are available at marginallypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And I'm sure I'll remember something later, but that's uh, it's okay. Sneaky perfectionism says you can't that be perfectionist. Have- exactly. <laughs> <laughs>